Coaches, what's up? This is Keep Your Pads Down, your podcast for defensive line play. And this is episode number 150. Well, whether you're a first-time listener or been with us since the beginning, thank you for giving us a listen. Summer is here, and I know you guys, if you're like me, uh, you're enjoying a little bit of time off, but you're also looking to learn and grow this summer uh, in anticipation for the upcoming season, which will be here before we know it. And I'm telling you, today's episode will do just that. It's going to get you ready, going to help you grow. You are going to learn something today. But before we get to today's episode, I do want to make sure I tell you a little bit about our sponsors for this season uh, that helped make this podcast possible, beginning with the guys over at Our Coaching Network. Our Coaching Network is a football coaching platform that connects coaches from all levels and helps them get better every week. Our Coaching Network has live clinics going off usually a couple to a few nights a week, and we'll have hours of high-quality live coaching clinics this year, with each week's clinics added to a library that can be referred back to at any time in the future. So get on over there and create your account today. Subscriptions are super affordable. You can even sign up for a free week, and you can cancel at any time. So start connecting with and learning from coaches all across the country with Our Coaching Network. Next up, if you're looking for a way to promote the awesome things going on with your athletic program this fall, then you got to check out what GoEdit Graphics has to offer. GoEdit Graphics allows any coach to create custom graphics from their library of templates in a matter of minutes by changing the colors, text, and images to make it their own. They offer categories like game day, scoring, player profiles, and communication, to name a few. The platform is super easy, it's affordable, and no design skills are needed. In fact, if you check out the graphic for today's episode with Coach Aldrin uh, on our Twitter page, uh, all of that, that whole graphic was created uh, through GoEdit Graphics. Uh, GoEdit Graphics is a great way to showcase all your sports and athletes. Subscriptions are for 12 months and include unlimited graphics. Highlight your athletes with custom-made graphics in less than two minutes with GoEdit Graphics. All right, so today, as I already alluded to, we are talking with Greater Atlanta Christian Academy Defensive Coordinator Coach Josh Aldrin. Uh, coach Aldrin came to GAC from Indiana Wesleyan, where he was the defensive line coach and run coordinator. Uh, and before that, he served as the assistant defensive line coach at his alma mater uh, there at Wheaton College. As a player at Wheaton College, Coach was voted team captain for his senior season and selected first team all-conference and all-region that season as well, uh, in addition to being voted all-conference and all-region as a junior. Uh, coach Aldrin is active on Twitter, and with all of the videos he posts of his drills and coaching progressions, uh, he is a must-follow for D-line coaches or anyone interested in learning uh, more about D-line play. Today, Coach Aldrin and I talk about the transition from being a defensive line coach to defensive coordinator, uh, overcoming the, the feelings of self-doubt and insecurity associated with that transition, and uh, his advice on learning secondary play, uh, getting out of your comfort zone, and, and a whole lot more. Uh, we then get into some of Coach Aldrin's coaching progressions for his D-line guys, all of which he has videos for, and he's going to walk through those videos uh, in our conversation. So if you want to watch today's conversation with Coach Aldrin, uh, you can definitely do that. You can do that by checking out our YouTube channel, uh, a link to which can be found in today's show notes or uh, on our Twitter feed. Uh, again, you can find us at KYPD Podcast. So with all that being said, let's dive into today's episode. Here is episode number 150 with Coach Josh Aldrin on KYPD.
Coach Aldrin, welcome to the podcast. So glad that we could uh, make this happen in spite of the craziness that comes with, you know, at this time yes. of the year. So thanks for being flexible and making this happen, Coach. Thank you for having me, Coach, for real. I've, I've, I've appreciated so much. I've been able to, to listen and watch the podcast. So I appreciate you having me, for real. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we're going to jump right in. I know we got a lot of ground to cover today. And, you know, I already referenced the uh, crazy schedule. Uh, we have actually a, a, our baseball team is in the um, fourth round of the playoffs here. So we got a big series that I got to go catch here uh, later on. So we're going to dive right into this thing. And you're at Greater Atlanta Christian, which we talked about in previous conversations, um, have yeah. a little bit of background. I played with some guys at Harding from GAC and know that that's a great school there in Georgia in the Greater Atlanta area. So let's just start there and kind of tell us how you got there and really just fill us in on your football journey up to this point. Yeah. Okay. So um, I'm from Chicago originally. Um, I played my college ball. Um, I, I, I went to a school um, in Mississippi, in Jackson, Mississippi, Bellhaven University. I was recruited um, by Les George over there. Awesome, awesome coach. Um, and played my ball over there. I spent one year at Bellhaven and then I transferred and I went to Wheaton College. And over there, I was surrounded by some unbelievable coaches, Coach Mike Swider, Coach Jordan Langs. Coach Eric Terrazas, Coach J.J. Clark, just awesome guys who really helped me develop as a young man. Um, and then I GA'd there my first year out. Um, and then from there, um, I followed uh, my, who was then my defensive coordinator, um, former boss, um, Coach Jordan Langs and Eric Terrazas. Um, and I followed them and I helped start up a program, Indiana Wesleyan University. Um, and so Indiana Wesleyan University you know, had been around for about 100 years in central Indiana, Marion, Indiana. Um, and they were just starting a football program. So this would, would have been 20, this would have been the winter of 2016, moved out there to help start up the program. Um, and so it was just the three of us um, recruiting a team of guys. I was extremely wet behind the ears, young, no idea what I was doing, but it was really fortunate for me when you're one of a three-man staff of a startup, um, you're asked to do some things as a young coach that you normally don't get to do um, if you're a youngest guy on the staff, right? Normally I'd be picking up Starbucks coffee and, and getting guys, you know, things like that. But, you know, Coach Langs and Coach Terrazas, I mean, very early on, um, asked me to do a lot of things. Um, I mean, I will never forget. I mean, literally handed me a credit card and sent me out on the road recruiting. And I was, you know, racking up parking tickets and had no idea what I was doing. Um, but I got to learn. Um, so my time at Indiana Wesleyan University was unbelievable. I loved it. I spent... Um, five or six years over there. Um, I mean, kind of my first group of guys that I coached, some unbelievable young men, still really close to a lot of them to this day. Um, and so then it would have been the, the spring of 2022. Um, I was down at the AFC convention. I had the opportunity to present on some defensive line um, play. Um, and I was speaking down there. And that was actually the first time I got to meet Coach Hartley. Um, and so me and my family, we'd been talking about it. We were coming up on baby number three and, and talking about potentially making a transition. Um, and I got to sit down with Coach Hardy like the second day of the convention. And he began to tell me about Greater Atlanta Christian. And again, I'm from the Midwest, so I really wasn't familiar with some of the private schools and the way football is in the state of Georgia and how private school football is in the, way, uh, in the state of Georgia. And so this was in January. I came out. Um, interviewed in February, and I moved out to Georgia in March. Um, so it was a really quick turnaround. Um, it was definitely the transition my family needed. It was a big transition um, going from being a collegiate coach and then 
teaching high school classes, teaching world history and then coaching. And then pretty shortly after I got there, I, I accepted the job originally um, as a linebackers coach. And then pretty shortly after I, I, I got there, um, the then defensive coordinator left to take another job. Um, and Coach Hardy, after about three weeks, offered me the position. Um, so it, it was a time where it was just a ton of changes um, all at once. Um, but it has been an awesome experience. I've loved it. Coach Hardy's phenomenal. GAC is phenomenal. Um, and Georgia has some really good football. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt for sure. So what's been the biggest adjustment um, being in Atlanta now? Is it is it is it the weather? Is it the high school setup? Is it, um, you know, teaching world history? What's been the biggest, you know, trying to you know, court, you know, get a defense together? I know we, you just had a meeting with your staff. Like what's been the biggest adjustment for you since you've been there? Yeah, the day is very different. Um, I think. In my experience before, I mean, even at Wheaton and Indiana Wesleyan, um, most college guys know you're going to work. The, the hours are longer, right? You're going to work longer. Um, high school is different because during that day, I'm on more than I was when I was a college coach. And what I mean by that is I'm teaching classes all day. So I'm constantly, constantly interacting with young people. And it's awesome. But any time that you're pouring out um, daily, like it, it, pulls on your energy, right? Where in collegiately, you know, you meet with the staff and you draw cards, you're watching film, but there's a decent part of your day when I was a college coach where I'm by myself, right? Or I'm working in my office or I'm working with one other coach and you're, you're watching something specific or I'm, you know, tending to something that my defensive coordinator asked me to do, right? But you're not presenting, you know, all day. When now in high school, you're presenting all day, your lessons, you, and, and you're doing that to the best of your ability. You're doing that, right? So that pulls from you. And then you turn around at 3.30 and there's a group of football guys who need energy, who need to get picked up, who also just went through a day of full classes and someone's got to be able to spark up some energy. Um, and so I think the biggest transition was that. Your day looks so different, but then when practice time comes, you still got to be able to light the fire and flip the switch and go um, and, and still be on and still be ready to go. And so that was a big change for me. Um, it was great. I mean, it sharpened me and, and, and helped me a lot. Um, but it was a big transition. So speaking of transitions, you talked about you, you got hired there as a linebackers coach. I know you have a defensive line background. Uh, you're there for three weeks and then coordinator job comes open. And so now you're offered that position. And as you mentioned, so that just brings about a whole, uh, you know, <laughs> a, a bevy of changes there that you have to you know adjust and 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 you know uh sort of attack um so what's been i guess talking specifically going from position coach to coordinator because that's how we're going to yeah. kind of start this conversation is what's been the most challenging part about that transition going from you know a position coach to a coordinator where now like everyone's looking at you to come up with things like practice plan and obviously scheme and you know, what we're putting in, I know you guys just wrapped up spring balls, so like what, you know, what's our install yeah. going to look like? And, you know, your work personnel, depth charts, all those things. What's, what's been the toughest part about that transition? And just talk about that process and how you've had to change your mindset from a position coach to a coordinator. Yeah, that's a great question. I think the first thing is that it makes you reflect on the times that you were an assistant coach or a position coach. And, um, it makes you think back to your former bosses and be like, man, I, I should have showed them a lot more grace because it's a lot, you know, it, there's a lot going on and what you're required to do. And, and, and so I think the first thing is it it made me really appreciate 
the guys that I worked for and played for who had been sitting in this seat before immediately. Um, I think the next thing, I think the toughest thing was just a lot of self-doubt. Um, defensive line is a different position. I was literally just saying this to the guys right before they walked out. Defensive line is so different to me than any other position because you can literally coach that, play that, and have no idea what's going on behind you. You don't need to, right? If you would ask me in college, what do you guys run um, coverage-wise, I wouldn't have been able to answer that question, nor did I care, right? You can literally, your job is independent in your own mind, right? You can coach up a defensive lineman and be really good, and he has no idea what the coverage is behind him. And so you're raised that way as a player, right? So you don't, you're not grinding on the ins and outs of coverage, who's one, who's two, two, three exchanges. You're not doing that as a player. And then as a position coach, right, you get busy, you're coaching your guys, and you watch PRD, and you watch team, and then Skelly comes on, and you're like, ah, I'm walking out the room, right? And so it's so easy to stunt your own growth as a coach where you just, you haven't heard that verbiage and that language and the jargon of the back half and the rest of football. And I think that's the stereotype of most, most D-line coaches, right? So you don't know ball, right? I mean, I will never forget Tremaine Jackson. Um, he's the head coach at Valdosta State. Awesome, awesome guy. Yeah, he's been just, Yes, I mean, he's phenomenal. Right. But I remember I, I called him on the phone, like kind of the first time that I was really thinking about starting to, to do more career wise. And he called me and he said, if you want to be a black D-line coach, you can be that for the rest of your career. If you want to be more than that, here's a couple of things you need to do. Every single time you get up on a board, draw all 11. OK, anytime that your defensive coordinator puts on Skelly, don't walk out of the room, sit there and watch it. Even if you don't understand it, watch it. And when it comes time to ask a question ask some questions and he's like, start understanding how the offensive line and the run game works. Um, and that, those were his three pieces of advice to me. And this was, I mean, this is probably my second year coaching. Um, he gave me that advice and I followed that. Um, and it was really helpful because again, once I got to this point, um, like you said, all those things come at you quick, right? The expectations of now you're coordinating and you're putting the whole thing together. And again, you're, the previous history is, is coaching D-line having played it. Um, you deal with this self-doubt of, okay, if everyone's looking at me like I don't know anything. Like I've never installed a coverage before, right? I got to draw all 11 up on the board. There's some pressure that comes along with that. And so I think dealing with just the self-doubt of, yep, you were a D-line coach. You're learning some things. And guess what? There's some things that I don't know and I'm still learning. I mean, having to process through that, I'm going to get to a point where regardless you can still get up in front of the team and the staff and show a level of competence um, and confidence is really important. But I think that was the toughest thing for me was just is getting to this point where, you know, you're dealing with this imposter syndrome where you feel like, oh, I'm, I'm not equipped to be doing this. I can't do this. Right. Um, and that's something you have to get over because it, it will it will limit yourself um, that that thought process of I'm not capable or I can't learn this. Right. And that is that is such great advice because um, I've gone and and still go through those same those same feelings. So um, I was a D line coach for I guess 12, 11, 12 years. Um, yeah. so kind of do the same thing, switch over to linebackers, and me and then another guy on our staff um, split up the the coordinator duties. And 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 full disclosure, defense we run is a defense that he brought with him from TCU. So. Mm -hmm. I, you know, at some point there's, there's, there's two guys there and one of us is going to have to yield to the other one. Right. I mean, it's just and on some things, right. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's, it's, it's got to happen. And so like, that was one of those things, like a decision had to be like, Hey, okay, here we go. 
you you uh let, let's talk about this and let's let's make this work so that it's it's best for our kids and best for our program and but there's still that like you talked about there's that 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 constant nagging and gnawing at you like man what what are you doing like you don't know what you're doing yes. you know and yes. and like you said you have to just say hey i somehow got to this point because of something i didn't just fall into this thing and and so <laughs> i'm here for a reason so let's go show those people who put me in this spot why they put me in this spot. And you're exactly right. But now all that to say, I think what coach Jackson said about hanging around and, and, and watching the secondary. And I think it's real easy for us to get in our, get in our lane and really, you know, go seek out guys who, if we're, if we coach defensive line, go seek out D line guys, but you gotta, you gotta vary it and, and you gotta branch out and, um, you know, and, and go and seek those other things out. Cause like you said, at some point, you're going to have to know that stuff if you want to be a coordinator, if you want to advance. And yeah. um, it's much easier to learn it when you're not having, like when you're just a position coach. And I say, Joe, when you're a position coach and not having to teach it, like there's no pressure. You know, you can take your time learning it, ask stupid questions, all that. But um, that's that's great advice. So how have you, you talked about, you know, just learning secondary play and watching Skelly with, with your defensive coordinator. How else have you, gone about learning secondary play and i get this question a lot from guys you know like what what how do you how do you go about learning where do you start when it comes to learning secondary play so what what advice would you give to other d-line coaches wanting to learn more about the secondary yeah and i and again this is going to be me absolutely full disclosure right when i came in like i i could not have tell you my my former bosses will will gladly you know co-op corroborate me on this uh, I mean, I could not have told you one, two, like anything. Didn't know any of it. And so I think it's it's starting out with some of the most basic questions. Um, and I think a, a couple of the key things for me um, was there, there's a level before you can even be ready to receive the information. There has to be a level of like total humility where it's like, I'm going to ask some questions that as you know, a coach who's been coaching for three or four years, I feel embarrassed to ask, right? But I, I, I really understand this better now as a teacher, right? Is if we're gonna ask our kids to learn, right? And be vulnerable, right? And we're gonna coach them up. There's a level that as a coach too, like you also have to be willing to put yourself in the seat of a learner. Like you have to become a beginner again at something. Right. Because I think that makes you a better coach is when you can also relate to a, one of your student athletes and say, like, I know what it feels like to be a beginner because here, here's an area that I'm learning in or I'm growing. In. And it may not be coverage for some guy. It could be in all areas of football. There, there's something that you don't know that is not mastered. Right. So at some level, there has to be a level of humility. Right. The Steelers from Coach Clark. There has to be a posture of humility that you have in saying, I don't know it all. Right. And I'm, I'm willing to learn. So that's, that's the first thing. Um, I think what really helped me was coaching special teams. Um, very early on, Coach Coach Langs, um, when I was still at Indiana Wesleyan, um, he gave me the task and asked me to coach the kickoff unit. Um, and that was really nerve-wracking for me because that was the first experience I had coaching a unit or a position that I didn't play. It was the first time, right? And again, to, to most people probably listening, it's like, dude, this man's freaking out about coaching kickoff unit. Like, dog, it, it ain't that deep. Right. But again, there's somebody who like, I mean, it's it's kickoff coverage. Like you go down. Hey, you relate. Hey, if he goes over here, who's like you're counting everything. 
but it was it was really coaching the kickoff unit that was my first introduction into understanding okay how do you control the field all right well if we kick the ball on the hash okay that condenses the field okay well what do what are teams trying to do when they're bringing the ball to the hash or hey we're in the middle of the field hey we got all the space to go like it was just such the most basic things in a really approachable way and that's just the way i learned i can't take big picture immediately i'm not that smart right so for me that was really easy so for a lot of D-line guys, my first encouragement to you would, yeah, I know it's it's a lot easier to say, hey, I'll, I'll take the field goal block you, right? Try and stretch. And I think special teams is an unbelievable place to do that. And it's also going to be your first experience because we're just talking about learning it. But then there's a whole other thing of you're going to have to install this to players who play a position that you never played. And there's a confidence that you have to have in order to communicate that information. Right. So I will never forget the first time I had to get up and install very basic five by five kickoff coverage unit. Right. And I'm shaking. I'm scared. I'm nervous. Like, dang, like I didn't. There's wide receivers in the room. There's DBs in the room. There's linebackers in the room. All these guys. And I don't coach on the normal. And I have to get up and explain to them this concept. And I think the devil's in the details there. Right. Because there's one thing to understand. It. There's a lot of a lot of really smart cats who understand this stuff. Can you communicate? Can you get up in an effective and efficient way and communicate this concept to a room of players in a way that makes sense, right? And that's me being a high school teacher now. That's a whole nother where I have to get practice to that every single day. And so I think finding a way into special teams, and I get it that no one was really waking up in the morning saying, man, I want to find a special team unit to coach. But the thing is, especially if you're in college ball, and especially at high school, like you're going to have to coach a special teams unit. Right. So not taking that on. It's like, okay, whatever. I'm just going to do this until I don't have to do this anymore. But like, no, can you get into that thing and take pride in it and become a master and understand it and learn the scheme of it? Um, Because there is way more scheme involved in special teams than there is in coaching defensive line. And so for me, that was a really good entry point into gaining the confidence into beginning to install other things and learning other things. Yeah. Great advice. Once again, um, I, again, I did the same thing, started coaching special teams. And, um, you, you know, there, there, that is a great way to, 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 to stretch yourself and kind of start the, the ball rolling of getting yourself out of your comfort zone. I think you said, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that, that being able to admit, you know, what you don't know. And, and, and because yeah. the kids especially can sniff out a phony. And when you're, when you don't know it all and you try to act like you do, then they're gonna they're gonna pick up on that and they're gonna turn tune you out. But if you're on up up front and honest with them, like guys, you know what? I'm not really sure. Let me find that out or let me let me verify something and then I and I'll get back with you and then get back with them. Um, I think that goes a long way. And then they understand that and they they have a lot more patience and grace for you if you're willing to do that. Oh, big time. And I'll and I'll give him I'll, I'll give him a lot of love here. Um, Coach Langs, right? And he's he's now at Iowa State. But Coach Langs did that modeled that for me when he was a coach at Wheaton. I, I will never forget probably the first meeting he had. We had just played co-college. I was at Wheaton College. I'm a D3 guy to the day I die. Um, we had just played co-college. And he gets up, and this is his first meeting as a defensive coordinator. And I remember the first clip on, on that uh, game recap, as we're sitting in there, full defensive meeting, the first clip on the note on there is, 
bad by Coach Langs. And he's like, this was a bad call. I made a mistake. This is what I missed. And I remember being whatever year I was a junior, literally kind of just sitting there like the first thing that he, he says in that meeting was this is where I messed up. And this is why I messed up. I'm sorry. I'm going to be better moving forward. Like that really stuck with me as a player. And even as a coach, the point where like, it's a regular thing for me. Every time, like last year was my first year as a DC. I had a little, I had one too many of those clips on there for my, for my post-game recap. So like, Hey boys, coach Aldrin again, messed up. Like, I'm sorry. But like coach Lang's modeled that for me very early on. I think you're right. Like, when the players see like, man, like from the top, he's willing to say, this is where I messed up. Because how, how am I going to expect my players to own up and show ownership for their mistake if I don't stand up in front of you and say, hey, this is where I messed up. This was a bad call, boys. Hey, I need to understand this, but I didn't teach this well. I'm sorry. I'm going to be better at that, right? And like you said, follow up with that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's let's now go into something that is in your wheelhouse, and that's talking D-line <laughs> play. Yeah. Because uh, I know that that – Again, I love going back, and and I think it was about a year ago. I had a chance. We were at it. We worked a camp, uh, um, and I had a chance to go back. And they they needed another D line coach. I had a, I got to go back and coach D line at that camp, and it had been a while. And it was so much fun, kind of dust yeah. off the old uh, the old drills, the old terminology, and and all that stuff. So I'll let you. I know you have a presentation. I'll let you open that up, but uh, just let you uh, walk us through some of your progressions and some of your drills and. And I know this is something that you're passionate about, so I'm excited to yeah. uh, to uh, to hear what you have to say about this. So I'll let you I'll let you take it from here. Awesome, yeah. Um, so I'm just going to take you guys through just a couple of progressions that I have. Um, I think for me, when I was coaching the position more regularly, I, I still any chance I get, I do it, and that's the logo that you see here. I actually, uh, this summer I'm going to be starting on my own defensive line training, um, King of the Trenches, uh, which I'm really excited about. Um, but one thing I realized is, is again, it's, it's a position where there's not a lot of scheme, right? You don't have to grind away that there's not as much to know mentally, right? And I think what I realized what separates the really good D-line coaches um, from the, the average D-line coaches is that you find ways to simulate game situations for your players on a daily basis, right? And, and work drills and create progressions that make sense for them. Um, and so really what I, what I prided myself on was like making learning progressions that prepared my guys for what they were going to see, um, and doing it in a way that number one, right. Didn't kill them. Right. So we didn't get to Saturday or we didn't get to Friday and my guys are absolutely trashed from a week of practice already and are no good, but like they can get there and they're ready to play aggressive, fast and physical. Okay. So this is one of the first drills that I have, and this is just called base walks. Um, and I stole this. This is from Pete Jenkins. Um, this is a drill that he'll do with his guys. Um, and really, it's almost if you think of like an isometric movement, right, where we want to create strength in a position that you're going to be playing. in. Um, that's all this is. Right. It's just getting these guys down low. Right. In a spot. And holding them there. Right. So I can be in a super physical. Once I get to that position, I can be strong right here low down, wide base, um, with pressure, with someone leaning on my shoulder that I can um, have power in that position. Um, so this was just something I would do with my guys. I mean, like pre-practice and, and there's a lot of times, right? There's a lot of in-between moments in practice, whether you're at the high school level or the college level, where, you know, someone's doing scale your transition out, you've just done a really physical period and you need something to do. Um, and this is, again, as I got older coaching the position, I'm like, okay, 
normally where I let these guys kind of hang out and that's usually where the bad stereotypes of D linemen, right? We don't get any work done. Or you go to the opposite and you just run your guys, run your guys, run your guys. Like, okay, here is a drill that I found that I really like that works something that we needed, right? We need to get strong in this base position. Um, so again, I love that, right? And so trying to find ways to get guys strong in those spots. Can I ask you right there? So I noticed that at the end they're working, are they working in escape as well? Like just like, is, is that part of it? Like just, just, you know, have them work a, a, a different escape off of that? Yeah, yeah. And so it was just really kind of really easy, almost just simulating an arm over. I began to kind of tweak that of just how do I make it? And so even now when I do that, I'll have the guys hold the hand shield out. And so then almost the finish of that drill is them just working arm over. Because I want it, again, I want to simulate someone is leaning up on you and I'm holding this spot, I'm holding this spot. Um, so I've changed, I've tweaked that up a little bit to make it even more realistic for the game mode. But also what I love about this is there's no contact here. Like I can do this till the cows come home and the guys aren't going to be trash for me. So that was one I love. Um, I think the next one that I do is just takeoffs, right? And this is everybody in America, every single D-line coach in America is going to have takeoff drills that they do and they work with their guys, right? So there's nothing new here. But I think what I began to think about was, okay, what are elements that I can add to this, right? Or like even in this, like what am I coaching here, right? So when a guy comes off the football, I want him thinking about three things. So the first, like I, I the verbiage I use wasn't six-inch step, um, but I use I want to race to my third step. And I stole that. So that's from, from Coach Sims. Um, he was at Savannah State, awesome D-line coach. Um, but I want to race to my third step, right? So I want to get three cleat steps into the ground as quickly as possible. That's the first thing. Second thing, my hands need to be straight out. I don't want guys, uh, I don't want guys um, benching when they get there. I want your arms already out and extended, right? If I freeze that, I should see everyone's arm, this guy all the way over here to the right. Like that's the picture I want. I want my arms already out. The other thing is I want my eyes up. So good grade here, good grade here, bad grade here. My eyes are down. So in this takeoff, I should be th thinking about three things. And by pause this film, and you know, we were blessed in Indiana Wesleyan, we could film everything. Um, I should see three things when you come off the ball. Three quick steps, hands are straight out, arms are locked out, and eyes are up. That's where the details are, right? Of, hey, we just work takeoffs. Yeah, you work takeoffs. Do you guys know what they're supposed to be doing each time they come off the football? And that's where I was like, okay, this is where I can be even more detailed in coaching this position. Every single time, my guy should be able to say that, hey, what's our first step in the run game? I race to my third step, okay? Where are your arms at? They're out, locked out, completely locked out. Why? Because, okay, when I take on a block, it's a whole lot easier to shed that block from a locked out position than if a guy's right on top of me. And then eyes, every single time, if I'm going to be able to read blocking scheme, my eyes are up. So my guys should know exactly why there's each one of those components is added. They should know the why behind it. Um, so that's where it's like, hey, I can be more detailed here in my teaching. So super basic, right? Nothing new, but it was, it was really, hey, it's not as important as, as what we're doing as the how, right? Now, this one, uh, again, looks almost exactly the same. The only difference here is I'm clapping, right? And so one element I started to add was as I was watching film for the week. So this week we were playing Valparaiso. Um, and leading up to that week, I noticed that in their cadence, right, the quarterback would clap his hands. And that's a really easy one. If you haven't prepared for that, you'll get out there. And all of a sudden, you hear that first clap and someone jumps off sides. Because I haven't heard that sound before. I hear I hear a cadence. I hear set. I hear hut. But all of a sudden, this clap, and it sets me off. So literally, for the two weeks leading up to this, every single 
drill we did, I'm clapping, I'm clapping, I'm clapping, because I wanted my guys to hear that. So in addition to in addition to the ball moving, it was, okay, you're going to hear a clap with that as well. And so the whole thought process there for me was, how can I, even just our takeoffs, how can I make this as realistic to the game we're about to see as possible? Um, and that was something that really helped us. We, the year, uh, yeah, the spring before that, right, before we played Valpo, we had had like a two game, I mean, just absolute. Guys are just jumping off sides, jumping off sides. And it's easy as a D-line coach to get mad at your players when you're doing that. But really, to me, it's a reflection on your coaching. It was a reflection on me. Somewhere along the line, I'm not preparing you. Either I'm doing too many drills on sound. Either we're not talking cadence, right? Something, right? I got you too close to the football. It's a reflection on me. Very rarely is it a reflection on the player. I haven't prepared you accurately or well enough that we are jumping off sides this many times, right? Now, I just like everyone else, at some point has had a massive blow up because we can't stay on sides in practice, right? But I found that there's ways that I can better prepare my guys. It's really specific to who we're going to see that week. And then this last one, um, these were just what I call scramble starts, right? So way too often we just do a takeoff drill and I'm always just straightforward, right? So this was just an amendment I make. Okay, well, now I'm moving, right? So now you guys all together, we got to work and understand because really, I mean, passing lanes is nothing but coverage. This is the area that I have. And so the point of this drill, everyone is going to finish on me right? But everyone has a really specific aiming point, okay? So my inside guys, you guys should be getting hip to hip. Bad grade right here, right? We should be getting hip to hip here, okay? He should be aiming for the near shoulder. He should be aiming for the near shoulder, okay? And if I catch you aiming for somewhere else, it's a bad rep, right? So this is where I just check and make sure. Do we understand passing lane? So right there is a great job there by 55, right? You see, as soon as I begin to push out, he adjusts his angle, okay? Because he's got to keep that aiming point. And then even in the pursuit, right? I should, if I was a good coach, I would have been telling my man right here, hey, you should be settling down with your near foot up so you don't get crossed up if I put my foot in the ground and come back the other way, right? So these were just really small things, right? So we're just talking takeoff drills, right? And I got a couple other variations of that that we'll do, but this is all just takeoff drills of different ways you can really emphasize the same thing or, or emphasize different things in the same drill. Yeah, and I think like what you're doing when you take like – just little tweaks on those. It keeps those from getting stale. And also yes. when you kind of talk like leading up, Hey guys, you know, like with the whole clapping thing, like don't just go through the motions on this drill because this week, you know, they're going to clap on their cadence or whatever, or just give them, give them something really to think about that. We're like, this is what I'm really looking for to this drill today. You know, the other stuff yeah. I'm not going to, not going to be as much of a stickler on because you know, whatever, but like, I just think, and it's easy for us to like, I have to check myself all the time because it's, you go through those same drills over and over and they kind of become mundane and stale and all that. But you get, it's like, like what you're doing, like kind of giving like the same drill, but just a little bit of a tweak or maybe yes. something else to think about. And it's like a whole new drill. Big time. Um, and then I think this is probably the last one I have in this progression. And this is the same thing I like doing. I put the pop in front of them just so I know for a fact your arms are coming out immediately. And then also what I like here is with the pop-up, it really forces you to make sure that you're keeping a wide base as you finish. And then I would just add a redirect at the end. As much as we can force our guys to redirect as they go, I think it's really, really helpful. Um, next is I have slant steps, right? And so even here, I'm going to have really specific terminology for my slant step. We take a strong 45 step. I stole that from someone a long time ago. But we're going to take a strong 45 step with our very first step, right? Not totally vertical, not totally lateral, but 45. Five degrees, somewhere right there in the middle. Strong 45 step. Our second step is going to get vertical. 
From there, my eyes are up and I'm looking in the backfield. In terms of the man in front of us, my eyes, I want to get to the near hip of the next man. If it comes to me, I'm ready to redirect and stay in my gap. If it's going away from me, I need to stay um, and keep flowing with the, uh, with the grain of the zone. And so in this one here, my guys are just working just a basic slant step. The one amendment I made, I got those agility rings. Um, and now, as much as we can, I want my guys after a drill to be able to self-grade themselves, right? Is, okay, when you finished up, where did your foot land? So if I pause this, right, I got one guy right now who his foot landed in the ring, okay? Not good. We need to work. It needs to be more, it needs to be more precise than that. Everyone's foot should be landing in that ring. This is exactly where I want your foot to land, right? And it gets a little bit anal at some points, right, where I'm so specific about where that first step lands. But, like, that's the position, fellas. Right? We don't have the scheme to, to hammer out. What we have is the technique to hammer out. And it needs to be so specific to exactly what you expect. They need to understand that. And so I put the rings there. I thought it was helpful for a lot of the guys, too, to understand, okay, this is where my footwork needs to be. And at the end of it, too, again, you see another redirect. Um, and again, I would adjust those rings, right? Some guys are going to be taller, longer than other guys. And then you change your ring from there. When we talk about shocking and shedding, um, I think one thing that I became, I got better at was finding a way, essentially, I wanted my guys to think about the way, the, the coaching points that I have for shocking and shedding, right? That's going to be exactly what I expect you to do against every single blocking scheme you see, right? And the way that we coach up defeating, whether it's a double team, whether it's a, a zone double, whether it's a full block, a down and around with pin pull, right? No matter what, it's all going to start with this same progression, right? Where I am attacking half a man, my inside foot is attacking his midline. Okay, I'm out, I'm chin to shoulder, hat my gap, okay? And then I'm shedding it when I'm snatching the shoulder, right? And so again, starting off, which is very, very basic, no one moving, we're just working that. How many times can I work full extension and then work off that shoulder? Um, here you see we're adding the ball movement to it. And then at some point I wanna put them in the shoot too, right? So this is us working the same exact drill but just from a shoot, right? And again, not reinventing the wheel here, but showing that every single time it needs to work a certain way. And I think what I found the most is what guys really need to work on isn't the shocking part, but it's the run release part. Like right here, this is pretty good, right? Hats on our gap, my eyes up, I'm full extension here. My hands are super tight. I, I like this. What guys need to get really good at is the run release part, right? So there I didn't love. I didn't bring my second arm over. Why do we bring the off arm over? Because if he tries to reset, I need to be ready to strike that arm down. So what I found the most is that guys really need coaching on how I run release, okay? Right over here, much better, okay? You see that second hand, that offhand working. Um, and so what I found was if I can take this type of drill, but then tighten this down to a position where you're just across from the man in front of you, I can really make sure that when you're run releasing here, when it's time to get off that block, I'm seeing the exact technique that I want. Um, and again, but like you said, it's going into the, these guys got to know exactly what am I looking for here? Okay, what is the focus here? Um, and that was something I got um, continued to be real, really detailed with. So now this is essentially the same drill. Uh, the only thing we're changing here is now you're just getting the zone step. So now I want to thinking, hey, when we talk about defeating a reach block, it's the exact same thing. He's just moving out at you. So instead of him just basing you and walking forward, he's trying to reach your outside shoulder. But nothing changes, right? If I'm racing to my third step, my hands come out fully locked, okay, my eyes are up in the backfield, it's all the coaching points that we just did at the start of practice today, 
And then right there, we got a much better job of bringing down that offense. So I want them to get really good at understanding every single drill we do. At some point, it's going to come back into play at practice. And this is why I feel like me just being a high school teacher now has really helped me out with that. Um, is just understanding, hey, like I've always got to connect back to the big idea, right? Everything we do from the way that we take off and where our eyes are at, it's always connecting back to the big idea. Um, and so then this is us just working as own double. I love this rep here, right? Because we don't exactly split it down the midline, but we win this rep because he essentially just beats the man in front of him. That's the first row we work. Okay, I raced to my third step. I got full extension there. I drove you into the backfield. I will take that on a zone double every single day of the week. If I'm bending that curve just like that, I'll absolutely take that. Right. And so, again, it's just working some of these these spots and these drills, but them understanding, hey, this is the same thing that we did in drill number one. And then us just working a double team here, but nothing changes. Okay, am I racing to the third step on the man in front of me? Okay, as soon as I get that pressure, I'm throwing my hip into it. And then you just bring it full, uh, full big picture here, right? So now it's just on blocking scheme. And so this is something that I, as I, I got more developed into the position of trying to give my guys as much time to do block recognition as possible, but then working off of the back. Like I want you guys to see and understand what is the blocking scheme in front of you? What are they trying to accomplish, right? Where exactly do I need to fit? When they pin and pull, where is my gap, right? And so right there, because oftentimes anyone who's had a coach, if you coach in a four down, you get pin and pull, right? You know, sometimes that defensive end gets a little bit too, out, too far out front of that pulling uh, tackle. Um, and now we're outside of our gap. And so along with the back, with the blocking scheme, I want him to see this is where your gap is right here. Okay, come up and fit it. But again, even as we're going through this, all the same coaching points. Am I racing to my third step? Are my eyes up, right? And here, right? We get beat here. Hey, we don't do a good job. I think my eyes were down. And so we got to go back and we got to explain that. We got to coach it up, right? But somewhere along the line, you usually, if I don't recognize the block, it's somewhere really basic in practice. My eyes weren't up when I came out. Okay, I was slow. I didn't race to my third step, right? I want to call back to those coaching points from earlier. Right? Yeah, that's why it's so important like you, yeah. to have this progression in place like you, like you have because when there is a breakdown, you just go back to that step where the where the breakdown exactly. is. It's not like you don't have to spend thirty minutes trying to diagnose the issue. Just say, "Hey, nope. did you race your third step? No. Nope. Okay, let's go. Or yep. were your arms straight? No. Okay, get it fixed. Let's go. Eyes up? Nope. Okay, get them up. Let's go. Yep. Uh, super exactly. simple. No, and it allows you to be. And like you said, it allows you to shorten that time. Now I can give someone um, really quick feedback. Um, I downloaded this presentation, so I'm not exactly sure why it came out like this. But it allows you to give someone really quick and specific feedback um, on the practice field. And, and you know, sometimes you don't have a lot of time to break something down and, and to tell a guy, okay, this is why this went wrong or why it went haywire. Um, so, hey, I was very different. Um, I know most guys, most D-line guys are going to get on here and spend 35 minutes telling you why they're a pass rush guru. Um, biggest thing for me in D-line, like, no, we are not pass rushers. You are not a pass rush specialist. Like defensive line, you are the first component to fitting the run. You are a run fitter primarily. And to me, that's my favorite part of this position is us defending against the run, right? So that's why I spent all this time. And now this is probably the, the one pass rush drill um, that I'll show. But again, the component I added to this, everyone in America, everyone in America for some way, shape or form has a hoop drill that they'll run, right? Again, to me, I was like, okay, 
how can we run this drill, but how can I add components to make it more uh, game-like, a scenario? And again, I'm sure someone else out here has done something like this, um, but to me, like, I stopped working with a towel because, again, I'm like, that just, it doesn't get to the root of what I want these guys to be able to do once they get in the situation where I'm coming off the edge, right? So we're working off the ball movement. I have a strike, right, where I have to work my hands. And then now at the end of it is a quarterback. At the end of the day, the pass rush move is great. Yeah, you can hit a great move. But at the end of the day, you have to get the quarterback down on the ground. And so this was something I started to work um, when we were losing contain. I, I, like, I literally couldn't stand anymore. I can't watch my defensive ends get to the point, beat an offensive tackle, and then lose contain because I'm aiming on the wrong shoulder. But again, this drill, this goes back to the very first drill I showed you, right, on the scramble starts. Okay, when I'm pushing outside at the start of practice, where are you aiming? Which shoulder are you aiming for? That's going to come into play here if I'm acting as a quarterback and I try and spin out. And I've since, I've added this drill too. So instead of just spinning out, right, I'll go up, right? I'll step up into the pocket. And now how do I react to that? Um, but I love this drill um, just because, again, it forces a guy, hey, as I'm working my move, okay, I got to be able to react off of it. Right. And again, it's also giving us that reaction at the end of every single drill that's so crucial for defensive linemen. Can you react to the stimulus that you see in front of you? Um, so this was a drill that I began to do um, early on. I felt like it helped us a lot. But that's my last one. And, and again, to me, the most important thing um, is creating progressions and having a progression that makes sense for your kids, but also it incorporates all the components, all those little techniques and details. There's a why behind each one of them, right? It's not what we do, it's how we do it. And I want my kids, I want my student athletes to understand how, right? This is how we do this. This is how we come off the football. This is how we strike the man in front of us, okay? This is how we rush the passer. This is how we, we tackle, right? Everything has a how, and it's gonna be really specific um, to our students. Well, coach, that's that's awesome stuff, and and you know normally this would be the point where we would uh, we we go to our our rapid fire questions because we got about ten minutes left. But I want to um, I want to I want to stay on this and and just keep talking some some beyond play as we as we close this thing out. Um, so talk about uh, j just going back and looking at your drills. So um, you talked about you know your favorite everyday drills and your progression with those. So when you see things like start to, 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 to pop up in a game, like maybe you're having an issue with, like you talked about guys escaping um, off of a block or maybe it's pad level, maybe it's hands. You know, there's all these different things that as the season goes on, issues pop up. How do you build drills to address the needs of your guys, you know, in a season? Because, you know, we all yeah. have those, those drills that we use, those, those tried and true drills, but then you get in the season and it's like, hey, this year, this year, this, this group of guys, they kind of struggle with this. So I got to come up with a drill or tweak a drill or build a drill that, that addresses that. So how do you go about doing that? Oh, absolutely. That's a great question. Um, so I would say that that's twofold. Um, number one, don't be afraid for a drill not to go correctly. The amount of drills that you saw in there that at some point, like, sucked, like, was really bad, that didn't work right? So much. There's a lot of drills like that, but just because it didn't work the first time, you hone it, you, you take it back, you look at it, you tweak it. Okay. What didn't, why didn't it work? And, and so much too, with not on film there, the amount of times I would try a drill and then go back to my players and say, okay, was this helpful? No coach. It sucked. Awesome. Tell me why, why wasn't it helpful? And they would give me coaching points, right? And like through that process, we developed drills that were helpful. 
And I've tried out drills that I really, really love and I'm really, really passionate about through the process of working with my players, of developing something that's specific to them. And I ask them questions. Hey, you know, why did we struggle on this? Ah, well, I didn't see this well enough. Okay. So what, how could I help you in practice? Well, if I could see this a little bit more, right? And sometimes it, it, it hits at our ego. It, it, it comes personal to us because what we hear is you didn't prepare me effectively, right? And sometimes we're afraid to ask that question. Again, this is where just me being a high school teacher now has been helpful, right? If all my kids get an F after a test, somewhere along the line, I failed to teach you. So let me ask you, and I'm stealing that from Coach Atkins, man. No learning, no teaching. So if I go back and I'm asking you, okay, where was the breakdown? Did, I, did you not see enough reps? Did we go too slow? Um, do we need to get on the shoot right? You tell me. And in that feedback of talking with my players, that helps me develop a drill. Um, and I'd say the second part of that um, is begin with the end in mind, right? So on Monday, right, after we reviewed from the film from the previous game, or even it's the start of the season, right? Begin with the end in mind. Last season, what were the biggest deficiencies in your defensive line unit? Okay. At the end of training camp, in three weeks, when training camp is done, I want these issues to be addressed. That's the end. Okay, day one, how am I going to address that issue? So every single step along the way is building towards, at the end of training camp, these four issues are going to be addressed, right? But too many times we get to the start of camp, okay, we're going to work takeoffs, we're going to work some pass rush here, like there's no direction, right? But if you begin with the end in mind, I know where I want us to improve, right? So the season that we played uh, Valparaiso, that same year, I, I will never forget it. So my then defensive coordinator was working for Coach Clark. I remember he says one, one day we're meeting and he goes, man, we never tip. We, we never get any tip balls around here. Our defensive line never gets a hand on the football. And immediately, like, I took that very personally. And then I look back at the film. I was like, dang it, he's right. Like, we never tip. Any footballs here. My guys never get their hand up. Literally, a ball would just whiz over their head. They'll just look at it. Like, we never get a hand up. So going in that training camp, I remember I called a bunch of coaches, asked for some drills, right? But I began that training camp with the end in mind of like, hey, this season, we're going to tip a lot of footballs. We're going to get our hands on a lot of footballs. You're going to have to game plan around the fact that we're going to get our hands up. And I was really blessed that year. I had a 6'7 defensive end. He had transferred in from Wofford College. Uh, uh, or transferring from Tiffin, Ryan Wofford, awesome player. But at the start of that training camp, I knew, hey, every single day, whether it's two minutes or five minutes, we're going to work on something like getting our hands up. And I had three or four drills. But I began with the end in mind. I knew that's an area I wanted to improve in. And so from the start of camp, I told my guys, hey, we're going to be better in this area. Okay? So, we're, like, I'm riding this thing home. Get ready. We're going to work this. And every spare moment we got, I'd stand there back there with the ball, and the second I take my front hand up, they'd shoot a hand up, shoot a hand up. Something I wouldn't even throw the ball. I can't throw. I got no arm, right? But it was just them. I wanted them to get that visual key of the second that hand comes off the ball for a quarterback, my hand is up. Okay, and it was my five eight guys doing it. Okay, it was my six seven guy doing. It, it was everyone doing. It. And we had a streak for like nine games where we tipped the ball in every single game. Um, but again, it came from the fact not because I'm an exceptional coach. I just began with the end in mind. I knew what I wanted to see at the end of the season. And so I started the season with that in mind. And I think that if you begin with the end in mind, that's going to help you as you're trying to create an indie plan for the week, but then also a plan for the year. Yeah, coach, that's again, great advice. Um, I, I, it reminds me of the quote, um, and I'm probably butchering it, but it's, it's, you measure what matters 
And so if it matters and you you measure it, you find a way to measure that, you know, whether it's like charting a kid's weight, you know, hey, we want you to gain 10 pounds by next August. Okay, cool. Well, you don't you don't have him get on the scale until August. He probably isn't gaining that weight. But if it's a week, week to week thing, hey, we're going to measure every Friday morning at this time. And we're going to talk about what you ate that week or whatever. There's a great chance he can get to 10, you know, gain that 10 pounds by August. If you don't measure it, it ain't going to happen. And so that's that's a, a great point that, first of all, and, and, and again, I keep using these analogies, but it's like if you're going to build a house, you don't just start going out there and nailing boards together. You, know, you got to plan and look and say, wait, what direction, wh what do we want to do with this thing? Okay, here's how we go about doing that. And, you know, that's a great uh, example of with, with the tip passes. Um, I think that's that's really, really solid advice and uh, makes me want to go back and sort of reevaluate myself as we get ready to uh, get into the summer and, and look at some things I know that my guys need to fix and address. So um, anyway, well, coach, man, I know that um, the guys listening to this are going to be blessed for, for, for hearing what you had to say today. And, and just want to thank you so much for, again, being flexible and, you know, closing up a meeting so that you could hop on this thing and uh, share some, share some of your stuff with, the, with these guys today. So thank you so much. And, Wishing, uh, wishing you guys the best of luck in 2023. Absolutely. Coach, I appreciate you. Thank you for having this podcast. I have a lot of respect for you for going out and starting up something like that. We all know how busy it is to coach. The fact that you get on here and plan it and ask people to come out, all the respect in the world. Appreciate you so much, man. Wow. I uh, learned a ton from Coach Alder today and thought he had some solid stuff for us. So really enjoyed talking with him and appreciate him for joining us today. So if you like what you heard from Coach Aldrin, then let him know. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Buzz Aldrin and let him know you heard him here on KYPD. Also, if you want to reach out to Coach via email, then you can check out the show notes for today's episode or his email address as well. Also, like always, go and give us a five-star rating and leave us a review and then give our podcast a follow. If you're not doing so already, you can find us at KYPD Podcast. Our quote of the day goes like this. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And that's from the book of Proverbs, chapter 2, verse 6. And with that, we will close out this episode of KYPD. If you like what you heard, again, go back and check out any of our previous 149 episodes and be on the lookout for new episodes coming your way later on this season. Until then, have a great week. And before we get out of here, Coach Aldrin has one more piece of advice he wants to drop on y'all. What you got, Coach? This is Coach Aldrin. Just a big reminder to keep your pads down. 